like, oh, what, what are you going to do? Just make Instagram videos all day? Like, oh, idiot. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. There was this massive buck. Like, I'm talking Bambi's daddy. And I remember just being like, holy shit. That was my first introduction to how people make hunting look on the internet. And I was like, wow, I had no idea about this stuff at all. Zero. Then all of a sudden, this man pulls out an Uzi, legit Uzi, and he just pointed towards the beach, fully automatic. Nobody has a choice with how they're raised, but they can learn how they want their life to be. And my platform's definitely helped a lot of people see, you know, how you can live a life. This is Vaughn Neville, the man spot. You are listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. Our culture needs people that are leaders and not people that are waiting for somebody else to show them how to do it. Those fields of tofu, that was formerly habitat for wildlife. You're killing off wildlife by being a vegetarian just as much as a hunter when he kills a deer. I'm like, well, you see that bush right there? (laughs) There's your bathroom. (laughs) My dad wears a Levi jacket. He sits in front of a sagebrush and he tells me the best camo is hold still. Not to Donnie Vincent this, but be relentless in everything you do. Don't crap out. Go back to the truck with excuses or whatever. Okay, assume I get a deer. How do I cut it up to fit into a Honda Civic? Just get outside. Just get outside and go. Because once you do, it's all gravy from there. Hey, this is Zach Griffith. This is Hannah Barron. This is Jason Phelps of Phelps Game Calls. Hey, guys, this is Cody Rich from the Rich Outdoors podcast. What's up, guys? This is Chad Mendez. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, yo, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, y'all, before we hop into today's episode, I want to ask a huge favor from each and every one of y'all that are listening. If you could just take a moment, pause the podcast, and head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a quick rating and review. Honestly, y'all, it, it just takes you a quick second. I appreciate all y'all that have been listening, but if you could just take this one step further, leave a quick rating and review on either iTunes or Stitcher, this helps so much with the growth of the podcast and its discoverability. So y'all, if you could take that moment right now, pause the podcast, head on over, leave that rating and review. Or if you wanted to leave a rating on Spotify as well, that is also huge. Uh, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now y'all hopping into today's episode. Today, I have Vaughn Neville of The Man Spot on. Y'all, I'm super excited to sit down and talk to Vaughn. He's an awesome dude with an absolutely epic beard a love for our country and a love for the second amendment uh and just manly stuff in general so y'all i'm super excited to have vaughn on and talk with him so y'all 
With no further ado, let's get into today's episode with Vaughn Neville of The Man Spot. So, so here's a question for you. Is it like, is it like the man spot is your alter ego? Like that's kind of like your, your other name or is it yeah. like, so yeah, it's that, like Von Neville, the man spot, not, not Von Neville of the man spot. <laughs> I guess it depends on who I talk to and how they interpret it because I've, I've literally gone to a shot show, bumped into people and I'm like, they're like, Oh man, spot. How are you? And I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? And they're like, what, what's wrong with your voice? And I'm like, Oh, I was like, he, he doesn't know that there's a difference between Vaughn Neville and my alter ego, you know, the, the content character, the man spot. I'm like, Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference. Uh, Hollywood is not real. Neither is Superman. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, it definitely is. Uh, <laughs> what's wrong with your voice? Uh, so definitely, it definitely is the alter ego. So yeah, yeah. How uh, how did the idea for the man spot come about? Like this this alter ego, this brand, the uh, the Instagram because it all started kind of with Instagram, right? You just you yeah yeah. It started with Instagram. Uh, kind of just a funny story there is because. I love off-roading. I love guns. I love my hobbies of just manly things. And I, I, I remember at the time, um, me and my wife were pregnant with our first baby. And uh, I, I was just tired of Facebook. And I was like, I'm going to delete it. And she was like, well, you should, you should start up an Instagram. And I was like, cool. So I started up an Instagram. And then I was like, she was like, yeah, it's just pictures and you follow the pictures you want. If you don't want to follow something, it won't pop up in your feed. And it's un, no, nothing will pop up in your, in your feed that is unsolicited. And I was like, oh, cool. So I was like, what am I going to post? And I stepped, so I started posting my guns, my cars, and people were like, huh, you kind of like to show off, don't you? And I was like, okay, okay. I'll respect your opinion. So I was like, well, now I'm going to make a hobby page, a page for my hobbies. That way I'm not bragging that people can just watch this page for what it is. And I was like, what am I going to name this page? And I was like, huh, I kind of need a a spot. That's kind of like target is for women. I was like, I need a spot like that for men. And I was like the man corner, the man place. I was like, ah, the man spot. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) I I had no idea I'd be called, you know, the man spot because I literally was just making it a spot where a man can go to. And it's just cool, manly things. So that's how the man spot was born. And uh, little did I know at the time that whatever you make your handle on Instagram is what people will know you as. So that's, uh, that's how the man spot was started. It's such a, it's such like a weird thing that you can feel. I've, I've probably talked about this a million times, but you can feel like you totally know someone like an old, old friend that you've known forever that you've never met in person and you barely even remember their actual name because you solely know them as some sort of Instagram handle. Like, okay. yeah. That, and over time, like my alter ego took over, you know, for a couple of years where I would just be literally an entertainer. I would just try to entertain with, uh, with the alter ego. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, social media is so fake and so full of whatever people want to show. I was like, well, I need a, 
I need to show face and show that I'm, I'm a real person. So that's when I started talking about politics, talking about what was important to me. And then I'd integrate and show my family. I'd show, you know, my kids going to the hospital and I'd show, you know, issues that come up, you know, victories, losses. Um, so I, I really started using my Instagram, the man spot to show I'm a real person. I go through real issues. I have my challenges. I'm not perfect. And uh, I would always try to throw in, you know, my geriatrics with my wife, with my kids and stuff along those lines. So a lot of people grew to relate to me in a lot of ways and like, oh, he's just not a social media personality. He's a real person. So that's that's why a lot more people started to relate to me along those lines as well. So what then takes it just from uh, the fun Instagram account where you're sharing stuff with people to now it's, uh, I mean, you have the website and you're selling merch and uh, it's, I mean, it's turned into just uh, more than just like a a fun Instagram thing about you and your family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so the story of the man spot of me actually uh, doing man spot full time is I used to be a door to door salesman um, full time. And I did that for 11 years and I was selling alarm systems door to door. So kind of like those pest control guys that knock on your door and they're like, Hey, we'd like to sell you some pest control. I was one of the alarm sales guys. And uh, my family was living in Texas at the time and my Instagram was kind of blowing up. So I thought, you know, I had 60,000 followers and I had a few side uh, marketing deals. And I remember looking over at my wife and I was like, Hey, I can do this full time. And we can, uh, cause we had our house in Utah at the time and we were living in Houston, Texas. And I was like, if I quit our, my job and I, I focus solely on social media, I can do this full time. This is when I had 60,000 followers. And I was like, but I need your support. And uh, she was like, okay, if we're going back to Utah, I'll give you my support. And I was like, okay. So quit my job and uh, just started doing social media full time. I lived on credit cards for probably about eight months. And then bam, that's when the tide changed for me to get uh, more marketing deals, to start up merch and stuff along those lines. And I think that was my moment of where I burnt my ship and I didn't want to look back and I had no choice but to move forward with this because I kind of knew social media was going to be the new norm. And uh, a lot of people made fun of me for it. Everybody at my old work thought I would be back. Uh, really soon. And they're like, Oh, what, what are you going to do? Just make Instagram videos all day. And <laughs> you don't support your family. <laughs> idiot. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what I did. So uh, that was my, uh, that was my moment of burning my ship. And I, I didn't give myself another option to fail. And I mean, so you started with, you had a decent base. It wasn't like you literally created your Instagram and were like, all right, we're going to live off of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, I had, you had built up a decent base. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was making around maybe $2,000 extra a month on top of my job. And then I was like, Oh, and I, that was just part-time because I treated when I was building my Instagram, I literally treated it like a part-time job. And that's what I told uh, my wife when she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I am doing this on the side because I'm treating it like a part-time job because I don't want to knock doors the rest of my life. I want to do something else. And that's exactly um, what happened is I treated it like a part-time job. And then I transitioned and I was like, I could treat it like a full-time job. And my main motivation was my son. Um, 
he, uh, you know, I remember having that dad moment when I was holding my son and I was like, man, I hope he has every ambition to go after any dream he wants to go after whatever he wants. And he's not afraid. And then I had that moment that I was like, I am the biggest hypocrite because I am afraid to go after my dreams. I am afraid to go after my ambitions. I am afraid to be my, my start my own business and be my own boss. So my, my son was my motivation because I didn't want him to grow up. And I tell him to go after his dreams when I was afraid to go after my own dreams, be my own boss. And because my big motivation also was I want to be there for my kids when they wake up. I want to be for them when they go to sleep. I think, you know, it's, it's so important that, that you not only sit there and encourage your kids and you sit there and tell them that they can, like you said, chase their dreams and achieve these great things, even if people are laughing at them, telling them it's a stupid idea that they can do that. It's so critical to remind them of that, but it's so much more critical to live that out in your own life and show that to them as well, rather than just, again, telling them, you know, it's, yeah. it's so much more impactful, so much more powerful when they see you doing that rather oh, yeah. than just and, telling and them. I- and obviously with what I had created, I was like, you know, I can actually go out and uh, hike with my kids. I can teach them how to hunt. I can spend real time with my kids in the way I want to that quality time. Cause my dad was working so much when, um, you know, when I was growing up, he didn't have time, you know, to uh, take me hunting. I, I think I remember three explicit times when he took us hunting. And one of those was just, uh, you know, driving around in the truck and like, do you see anything? No. And then another <laughs> time was like hiking up, he hiked maybe a mile. And then he was like, I'm done. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay. So it was just, you know, for me, I just wanted to make that change, you know, have those memories sitting in a tree stand with my kids. Um, so that, that was another motivation for that is to get that quality outdoors time. So you're living in Utah, you're working in Texas. Where did you actually grow up though? I grew up in uh, Idaho. So I was born in Sun Valley, Idaho, grew up outside of Haley, which uh, really close to Sun Valley, you know, so very mountainous, beautiful area. But so, yeah, you grew up in like the headquarters of the outdoors, you know, in the Rocky Mountains, you know, short of you got Montana, you got Idaho, you you know, you got Utah. That's kind of like this area is like where the outdoors. I mean, it's it's the truest in my mind. but you you didn't really get that experience with your dad growing up hunting then. No, no, because he he was working. He worked so much. I mean, he was a school teacher, and then he worked for the Forest Service in the summertime. So he was a firefighter. Uh, so he would always be out on fires, you know. So, um, and when he wasn't teaching school, he was also driving activity bus. So he was just a hustler. You know, he had six kids and he didn't make a lot of money. So he was just out there trying to make it happen. So for me and hunting, I kind of, you know, I'd say a lot of it was self-taught, you know, going out with friends, but I've actually shot more deer, you know, by myself, just going out with a rifle and being like, here we go, than, (laughs) you know, than anything else. So uh, it was it your kind of experience and the stuff you were doing with creating the man spot that led you into hunting or was it something you were already kind of, doing yourself before that or yeah i so i would say um you know with my work you know because i've i've always loved going outdoors and hunting but uh when i go out hunting i i love it more so for the connection of nature and uh 
because uh, you're just out there in it and you learn to appreciate nature. So I'm in it more for that connection of mother nature than I am actually for the, the harvest itself. But the harvest is what I love because it's the stories that come from that. And uh, so I grew up, you know, just wanting that. But then when I started selling alarm systems, uh, it, you know, our peak season was right in the midst of hunting season. So I never was able to go out and hunt, you know, virtually like for 11 years. I'd always talk about it and want it, yearn for it. But I was like, how am I going to get back into it? So since doing the man spot, I've been able to have the opportunity to start getting back into it. But then right when the man spot started, you know, I had three kids just boom, 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 boom. And obviously when you have three kids, that's going to slow up, you know, you going out and hunting because you got the responsibilities of, you know, or the wife being like, yeah, you're not going hunting. You got to stay and watch these kids. <laughs> so I'm just like, my time is coming. It will happen. But I still have been able to go out and at least get a mule deer every year in the midst of my, you know, my busy schedule. So are you, are you officially a Montana resident now or are you still yeah. waiting for your turnover? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't, wasn't sure when you moved out. So, uh, so you're going to be out this year to be chasing elk, muleys. Oh, this year's going to be a whole new ball game for me. My <laughs> man. So, so I got, I got myself 120 acres and, uh, up on the property two weeks ago, um, five wolves were spotted on the property and then uh, a cougar was spotted wolverine uh, bobcat so i've got a little mixture of everything and of course you know given there's moose elk deer whitetail deer i mean it, i'm really fortunate for the piece of property i got because virtually i will be able to hunt from my back porch which some people are like that's not hunting. I'm just like, hey, I did it like the campers, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm camping where I'm hunting, or living where I'm camping, whatever you want to call it. Hey, man, unless you've got them, unless you've got them locked in a pen, hunting's hunting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I move into the animals' house. That's what I'm doing. I mean, just because your blind happens to be a lot bigger and a lot more comfortable than a than a fifty, you know, <laughs> than a pop up tent blind. Hey man. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's exactly it. So I I I'm well versed and experienced. I knew what I wanted for my hunting, you know. So my so I, I have yet to make the the really cool stories are yet to come because I I just knew what I wanted the man spot to kind of turn into, and that is having people experience a lot of the outdoors because virtually from my channel, people vicariously live through my experiences and people who are sitting in an office, you know you know, eight hours a day, they, that's why they love social media because they can vicariously live through somebody who's like, wow, this guy's got it figured out. Well, and so that was, that was one thing I kind of wanted to ask is you started the man spot just, you know, with this intention of sharing your hobbies, like what's, what's the goal now with what are you trying to achieve with this? Uh, and you, and you kind of, I think t just touched on it a little bit, but what, what are you really trying to achieve with the man spot? So obviously I'm also a very political. So I've also gone with you? the man spot. <gasps> I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Right. So yeah, so I've actually gone to a lot of uh, political events and rallies and I've been a, a keynote speaker. I've gone to Berkeley when Antifa was there throwing glass bottles and getting really violent. You know, I've I went to the the biggest uh pro gun rally in Virginia where over like 30,000 people showed up, you know, armed. And that ended up being a, a peaceful 
a peaceful rally. And so I, I've been to Pennsylvania. I've been to a lot of different places where I've been able to express our Second Amendment rights and the importance thereof. So also with my uh, with my platform, I think I've been able to use it in a way that helps people understand the importance of being able to stand up for our rights. And I've been able to do that because so many people have said, I didn't realize the importance of my rights until I started watching your videos or I listened to your rants or I listened to this. So I want to use it for the all out good that I can. Um, obviously, I've had to slow down with uh, being so political because with social media being the way that it is, they can cut my platform at any given moment. So that's how I make 100% of my living. So I have had to take it easy on my political uh, rants on social media because I don't want to get deleted because I still need to be able to provide for my family. But like you said, what is the overall goal? Um, with my 120 acres that I bought, um, I plan on making that kind of like an activity center and uh, being able to host gun events, host hunting events, and uh, you know get my, my uh, uh, guide license for people to take them you know, actually hunting. So that's uh, just something I want to be able to shift the man spot focus towards. But overall, just making sure people have a better, uh, there's a different way to be raised. And a lot of people didn't, nobody has a choice with how they're raised, but they can learn how they want their life to be. And my platforms definitely helped a lot of people see, you know, how you can live a life. Well, and that's definitely one of the things I initially, the reason I started my whole platform, and I, I love hearing that because, you know, we talked a little bit before, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't quite tell you, I, I didn't grow up hunting. I didn't grow up with the outdoors. Um, you know, if you had told me 20 years ago that I would, I would be all tatted up with a beard, living in Montana, running my own business and hunting elk and doing all this crap, I would have laughed at you all my friends would have laughed at you anyone that has known me for any like it, it would have been a joke like that um, yeah i mean i grew up in i grew up in southern california like i mean i grew up going to the beach and stuff and um and so i got into hunting as an adult and it's tough especially as a dude you know it's like we're guys and guys get chesty and it's hard to ask those questions about something we feel like we should already probably know about, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like talking about cars or talking about hunting or this or that, or, you know, gun stuff. It can be intimidating. And as a dude, as an adult, if you didn't grow up with it, you have no reason to know it. Going into these cultures can be an intimidating thing. So I love seeing other platforms and other people that have an excitement of, finding other people that, that maybe didn't grow up with it or, you know, grew up in a place where it wasn't accessible or just grew up with a family that didn't do that stuff, but they've developed an interest later in life and having those access to those resources and those assets and those platforms is so huge. And I speak from personal experience. I wouldn't have been able to do what I'm doing now if it wasn't for podcasts and YouTube videos and, uh, any and all sorts of classes you can take. It's wild what's available out there. Oh, yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing about social media is because people discover hobbies they never thought they would ever have. And they, they're able to do that based on, you know, people they follow or, you know, research they do. They're able to be like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. 
I, I, I'm not limited to how I was raised. I'm limited to what I want to do. Well, and with it's the cool thing is too, with someone like you, you're not just like, you're not just say a, a hunting influencer or I hate using the term influencer, but it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> It's like I feel like I need to brush my teeth every every time I I use the word. Oh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just it's that ta- it's that rotten taste we've all got in our mouths, and we're just like, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but it's true. <laughs> um, but you know, someone like yourself, you're not just uh, like a hunting influencer. You have these other feelers, and so somebody may come in from one of your one of your political rants, or they may come in from some cool gun stuff, or whatever, or you know, whatever it happens to be. And they may discover hunting through that, or it may be vice versa. You may have someone that grew up hunting, but just it wasn't really, they just kind of kept to themselves. Maybe they weren't a very political person. They didn't really, maybe they don't go out and they don't vote. They just don't really like to get involved. And then suddenly through what you're sharing, you're influencing, yeah, gosh, I use the word you're influencing them. <laughs> um, to to do this stuff to whether it's to improve their lives to improve their interactions with others or you know what they're putting out into the world um i think platforms like yours are are super important for stuff like that where it's not just you don't just have your one little niche and and that's it yeah and uh another thing about me is uh you know i did not serve in the military i tried but because of my asthma i was told i could not and there is a huge community out there of people who wanted to join the military who were limited. And they're just like, what do I do now? So there's also a big community of people who have reached out to me because they're like, hey, I really like how patriotic you are, regardless of your abilities to serve in the military. And uh, a lot of people, um, you know, don't, uh, I mean, some people looked at, I've been looked down upon so much and hated because I am as patriotic and I am, and I love guns as much as I do, but I was not able to serve, you know? So I've also gotten a lot of hate as well as praise for, you know, doing what I do. And that just comes with the internet. You know, there's always going to be haters out there, but I think I get a lot more uh, positivity out of anything else than negativity. And that's why I love continue continuously doing what I do because it helps people. And I love helping people and letting them see something from a different uh, viewpoint that they never saw before. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So... You know, as somebody that, you know, you you grew up with a little bit of hunting, but you didn't really get seriously into it until later in life. 
what were some of the obstacles uh, you encountered as you were as you were trying to learn and and figure out a lot of this stuff? Oh man! <laughs> so get this. So my parents, you know, they got I got five boys and one girl in my family, and I think it was like our fourteenth or er, Christmas. Every boy got a thirty out six for Christmas, and mine was a savage, a savage. <laughs> about six bolt action. And uh, I remember getting it and I felt so cool. I was like, I am James Bond. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've got this rifle. It will kill. Um, but I remember I took that out hunting with me and some friends. We just went after school. We're just like, driving in the old box, square body Chevy. And we would do this after school, you know, for days. And I remember we just came around a corner and we saw this buck, you know, the buck, just the, the horns were barely going past his ears, but hey, they went past his ears. And I remember like, oh, get out of the truck. So I got out of the truck, put the rifle, you know, on the hood. And I remember just posting up and I look over at my friends and I'm like, this is the moment of truth. And they're like, just shoot it, dude. And uh, I shot, you know, missed. And then. They're like, hurry, hurry. And I, you know, load another round and shoot. And then boom. I'm like, did I hit it? And they're like, you hit its leg. I'm like, oh no. So the deer's on the run. And I'm like trying to shoot it again. And then I hit it again, hits its, you know, spine. And then I run up to it, you know. And they're like, just put it out of its misery. You know, I shoot, you know, I miss. Goes through his ear. And then I shoot and he's dead. And then I was like, shit was wrong and my 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 optic was not sighted in so (laughs) so you know you know brand new little little you know teen hunter thinking oh i got a gun all i gotta do is take it out and shoot it had no idea that i needed to sight it in um you know props to the factory because i i was still able to bring down and harvest an animal from that um (laughs) But had no idea distance gauging anything like that, and I I think it would have come to uh, would have helped because I mean hunter safety it took hunter safety, but you know it took that with like a lever action thirty thirty with no optic, you know, just iron sights. Um, so just little things like that growing up, and you're like, oh yeah, huh? Should have taken it out beforehand and uh, sighted it in. And at that point, it's like, well, what? It, how far is it sighted in? You know, so these little minor details in hunting of <laughs> <laughs> sighting in your optic, you know, that was from Walmart. Um, how do you do it? Uh, who can teach you how to do it? And it's that mentorship that I was missing. So um, as you were growing up then and learning this, uh, did you find any mentors along the way? No, no, actually I didn't. So fast forward um, two years, I'm a, a junior yeah, like a junior in high school. By the way, when I'm um, picturing you in these stories, even at 14, you still have the full long beard. Um, yes, perfect, perfect. That's that's exactly what you should do too. You know, <laughs> with army surplus gear on, no doubt. <laughs> but yeah, I remember I just had uh, you know some some an old mechanic, you know, uh, one onesie zip up, you know, that was kind of thermaled. I remember wearing that, wearing some uh, army surplus boots, and I had uh, an old you know, army surplus hat from a uh, desert storm. 
that I took out hunting and it was the last day of hunting season. And my parents were going to Twin Falls, Idaho. You know, we live in Haley, Idaho. And they're like, okay, Vaughn, we're going to go to Twin Falls to do some grocery shopping. You want to come? And I was like, nope. And uh, I was like, it's the last day of hunting season. Can I go hunting? And they were like, no, you cannot go hunting alone. And they were like, promise you won't go hunting. And I was like, I promise I won't go hunting. And when they left, I literally remember just throwing on my, my hunter gear that I just told you about. And, uh, I went hiking about two miles just into uh, the, the, there's a mountain called Red Devil Mountain in Haley, Idaho. And there was a little canyon up there that I just went hunting in. And it was the last day of hunting season. And I remember it was the greatest hunt of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, I have asthma. So I'm just sitting there hiking through these trails with my in- inhaler, just <gasps> And I'm just like, here we go. I'm still going to do it. I'm going to get a deer. And I didn't even know how to scout for deer um, at that time. I didn't know, you know, you could be walking around for hours and a deer can just hold perfectly still and you're walking right past them, you know, at a (laughs) hundred yards. Like I had no idea. But I remember hiking to the top of this mountain and I all of a sudden see like kind of the mountain moving. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, holy shit, that's like eight deer running from me. And, and I just remember seeing them running. I'm like, okay, is there a buck? And I'm like, holy shit, there's a buck. Yeah. So I'm like trying to like head off this herd of deer and they're running and I'm running. And then I remember just, okay, if I shoot in front of the deer, maybe that will scare them to go back up the mountain towards me. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I started shooting in front of the deer and the rocks chipping and everything made them turn around and start running towards me. And I'm like, oh, this is a good thing. And then I'm still puffing my inhaler and stuff and I'm just chasing the deer. And then they get up on a ridge to the left. They were on the ridge to the right going down. Now they're on the ridge to the, to the left. And I just chase them, you know, probably for, for me to catch up to where they were at. It took me like an hour and then the mountain went straight down and I was like, okay, I'm back to not seeing anything. That was a, wow, that was a lot of good action I just saw. So I'm like walking down the mountain through these bush, the brush. And all of a sudden I see this doe jump straight up like probably like 10 yards in front of me and it goes left and i heard something go right um down below as well and i was and i heard i remember an old timer said the doe will distract you from the buck it is their job to protect the buck i don't know how true that was but i remember okay this doe is tricking me i'm gonna go right so i went right and there was this massive buck like I'm talking Bambi's daddy, just, <laughs> just galloping. And I remember just being like, holy shit. And I just start blasting miss and then miss. And then I remember just putting my rifle to lead him way in front. And I shot and I thought I missed. And I was like, shit. So I'm running after him, trying to load 30 out six shells in my, my savage bolt action and i just remember jumping over this bush and then there's this dead buck just right there and i'm like holy shit i i you know it was like i had the surreal moment i felt like a dog you know how dogs chase cars Mm -hmm. what would that dog do if it chased and and actually got the car what would it (laughs) i was that dog that fucking has been chasing a car and finally i got the car and i'm just like what 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 do i do now what? Oh shit! What, what, what do I what do I do with my hands? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's I mean, the, 
And again, yeah, that's like a tough moment. I, I've talked uh, I've talked to a few people about that. It's like your first hunt, like where you you really you're back there and you take something. And especially if like a, a deer's one thing, deers are big and deer are big enough. But like you get some like an elk or whatever, and you get back there and you look at it and you're like, well, shit. <laughs> oh, now the work begins. Oh. <laughs> Man, maybe. Uh, wish I'd hunted a little bit longer. This is going to get yeah, tired yeah, real quick. Yeah. yeah I know. I was just like, what, what do I do? What? <laughs> and then I, then I get out my knife, you know, I cut its throat and I'm like, okay, step one, he is dead. Okay. Um, wow. Wow. And then I'm like, okay, I got to start dragging it out of here. And I start dragging it out. And then I just hear all the guts inside. And I'm like, I got to gut this thing. Shit shit <laughs> um yeah yeah so um i was in way over my head at this <laughs> so i bail i bail and i just run back and uh i called the farmer whose uh, farm was closest to this little uh this little uh valley uh, by red devil mountain and i'm like i need to i need i need to call my friends so i call up my friends and i'm like i got a deer i need help I need help like field dressing it and uh, dragging it out. I'll buy you guys McDonald's. And they're like, fuck yeah. So (laughs) they meet me up there. We hike up, you know, two miles, field dress it. They teach me what to do because I didn't even know how to do that. I mean, when I got my first deer, again, we just drug it down, backed the truck up, loaded it up, and we took it back and their their dad did everything. Um, So I I was just like, yeah, hunters, hunter safety, they teach you that in the books, but actually seeing blood on your hands, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, and my knife, you know, my, my, uh, my knife was just little, little buck knife that yeah, throw that thing away. I know people have great stories about buck knives. I'm not trying to limit their, their, their ability, but my ability of just shooting a buck was be, way beyond what I even thought possible. Remember I was a dog that just caught a car, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they got it down and I, I learned some valuable lessons because I just wanted to be the, the big you know, white hunter and get the big buck and be like, Hey, look at me. Had no thought of logistics, no thought of it would ever happen. Zero. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that will probably be my greatest hunting story. Um, you know, who, who shoots at a herd of deer in front of them and they actually turn around and go the other way. <laughs> I was sitting there. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's going to work. And you're like, yeah. And it worked. I'm like, you have to be shitting me right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't even know. I don't even know. But um, but yeah, so mentorship I think would be greatly important, especially for my kids now, because I was just geriatric out there, like doo-ba-doo. Now you know, colors didn't matter. Like, you know, now they've got all the crazy tactical camo that when you're hunting a deer, the deer, the deer can't even really see you anyways with black and white. But now the hunting deer, you're just like, dang. Yeah, I had I had none of that, you know. I could barely uh, afford like the ammo. Who knows how old that thirty out six ammo was that I was using? It was probably grandpa's from like literally nineteen oh six when the thirty out six was just invented. <laughs> Holy hell! I mean, it, it's it's wild though because that says a lot. And you know, we were talking about the earlier about how hard and intimidating it can be to enter into hunting, and so much of that is I was guilty of it. I also 
just like all the gear and want to collect it. But so often we get so focused on like, okay, I need to have the right camo. I need to have the right pack. I need to have the right boots and the right, you know, this and the right, that, and the right, that the right gear is the gear you have. That'll get you out into the woods and yeah. let you have an ethical legal hunt. That's the gear that's important. Not, uh, you know, it, you don't have to have a full set of Sitka. You don't oh, yeah. have to have the latest Hoyt bow or the oh, yeah. latest well, Savage it, rifle. Oh yeah. And it's funny. I'm actually working with a, uh, a hunting brand right now. And I told them, I was like, guys, you need to come out with a brand of, um, <laughs> you know, come out, not, not with brand. come out with a line of uh, hunting clothing that, and call it the way grandpa did it. And you make the, it's the same material. It's just the print is different. And you make the print, um, you know, flannel. You make the print like just straight brown, ugly brown. I was like, the way grandpa did it, because they didn't, yeah, they didn't care. They were just like, yep, yeah, going hunting. And, uh, you know, the you know, Elmer Fudd, you know, hats yep. over the ear, you know. And the, Dude, it's, there's, there's nostalgia there, man. That would be amazing. Even if it was just like a, 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 an April 1st like April Fool's joke or something where like one of the one of the big brands comes out and they're like we have our technical hunting camo and like the technical hunting pants they look like denim though yes and, yeah. and it's yeah. the plaid and it's like the jacket but it's like the plaid <laughs> oh my gosh I would piss myself from laughing like that yeah. would be amazing yeah. and uh, honestly I think I'd probably buy one just because I'm like I want to do it the way grandpa did it <laughs> Oh, you know for a fact, there is no question in my mind that that shit would sell if oh, somebody oh, actually well, released it. Because people need it. People, and and it, again, it's the nostalgia. Hey, what do you, and then people show up with all their crazy Sitka gear, you know, Kuyu, and you're just like, oh, wow, nice. Because it's a flex. If you're matching oh, yeah. your, your boots, your pants, your hat, your gloves, that is a major flex. It's like, yeah. Let's go get them coyotes, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you go up the way grandpa did it. That's a flex too, because it's like, damn, you don't even give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, I was gonna say it's like I feel like that is a much bigger flex at that point. Like when you roll out in the in the plaid and the jeans and you still get it done. That's yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> money right there. <laughs> oh shoot, man! But you know, I I do think that's that's super important. Like, just to remember, it's like, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the the social media, and like you said, social media is so fake. Where you know, a lot of these guys that are hunting with all this amazing gear, they've built this up over 15, 20 years of hunting. Um, you know, or half of them, you know, are are working with these brands and they're not, oh, they're oh. not dropping five grand on a full set of, you know, oh. four season set of Sitka. Um, no, I, I mean, it, it, it was funny. I, I specifically remember um, a hunt that I went on. Um, it was with, actually with silencer co down in Texas. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go hunt these deer. And I was like, Oh, cool, man. Yeah, I'll go. Cool. And then we're in this tree stand and I'm like, what are we doing? And they're like, we're hunting. And I'm like, I've never, I've, I've never done this before, you know? So we just sit here and, and, and we wait for them to come to us. Cause I've always been just about cruising in the truck, walking, <laughs> hiking in the mountains, uh, this whole, this whole thing of like sitting in a stand. I was like, what happens? And then before you know it, like dusk comes and then, you know, there's a 
corn feeder and then it suddenly spins and I'm like, whoa, what was that? And they're like, that's the timer. It lets out the corn. And I'm like, and then the deer come and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, and that's when we shoot them. <laughs> so this is like, you know, this is like five years ago. Right. And I'm just like, where's the sportsmanship in this shit? Like, so anyways, they're, and they're like, well, this is what we pay for. You know, this is, they, right now I'm like, this is not fucking hunting. Um, so anyways, the guy's, <laughs> he's like looking and he's like, okay, that's the deer you're going to shoot. Cause you know, there's a lot of deer getting a free meal there. And I'm like, okay, I shoot, it goes down. And I'm like, and they're like, all right, great job. All right, let's go. And I'm like that, that was it. That was it. So then we go over there and they're like, okay, get the deer put it over here. Let's get a picture. And of course, the cameraman is like, there waiting. He's like, okay, well, we got to make sure we're shifted away from the, you don't want the corn feeder in the background because then people will eat you on the internet. And I'm like, I'm eating myself up right now from what we just did. <laughs> I'm like, cause I thought we were going to go on a hunt. When somebody says, Hey, we're going on a hunt. I'm like, heck yeah. I didn't know this was like a, you know, a staged thing. And, but, but of course, you know, they, they set it up and they're like, okay, now we're going to take the picture closer to the horns so the animal looks bigger. And I'm like, trick photography, motherfuckers. I can't believe this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, that was my first introduction of like hunting and the internet and how that all works and how people perceive it, how they view it. And I'm like, so I, we, we at least are harvesting this. And I'm like, okay, okay, uh, okay, I'm, I'm getting it. And that was my first introduction to how people make hunting look on the internet. And I was like, wow. I had no idea about this stuff at all. Zero. So when you say people won't make the, the social media what it is, that was my first experience with it. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, wow. Because I'm, I'm just like this pure like new hunter. Like, I don't know, like, you can fake stuff or this or that. But now I'm well-versed. <laughs> well, it's... And I'm not one to, like, hate on any type of hunting or anything, like, I, but I definitely like, if you're telling me we're going hunting, I'm thinking we're going back in the woods and we're working our asses off for this. Like, again, like I've gone and hunted over feeders. I've gone down to Texas and hunted friends ranches, uh, hunted hogs over feeders. I, uh, just this year I was down in Texas at a friend's ranch and got to shoot a fallow deer doe and a, uh, and a red sheep you, uh, over a feeder and it was just a cool experience. And it was, they were, they were doing a, a new hunters training program and it was teaching them to be like, literally from, I've never seen a gun in my life to, Hey, look, I just cooked a meal with the deer that I just shot processed and harvested my, myself. Yeah. And, and I feel like, I, I honestly feel like that's a, a, can be a good way to introduce someone. Cause it removes a lot of the variables. Oh yeah. Yeah. And for, for me, like, my whole thing was we're going hunting. So mm -hmm. my whole perception of hunting was like, okay, this is different. Like I had no idea that people even like really did that. Like I heard of like tree stands and bow hunters and that type of stuff. I just had never heard of feeding, you know, and doing that type of ability. And uh, obviously now getting into more of the hunter world, I understand why they do that, where, you know, and the, the benefits mm -hmm. of it. Um, my whole thing is like, and like we talked about from the beginning, like I'm, a hunter coming into the educational uh, overall skew of things. Cause I didn't start up the man spot from hunting. It's kind of my journey, kind of like you have, you started off as something and you've grown into it. So I, I'm not trying to diss on anybody. I, my whole thing was my, 
my uh, definition of hunting was just a bit different yeah. than uh, sitting, you know, in a tree stand. Oh, it was, I mean, and it's definitely a surprise. You're like expecting one thing and you roll in and you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought a deer would walk in and then we get out and like, we, we, we like stalk him, you know, the, the, the now, okay. We saw a deer. Now we stalk him. It was like, no, we're going to stay here. So, so for me, my whole idea of this thought, it, maybe I'm just partially, I don't want to say the word retarded because uh, that word can be offensive, but I was just very uneducated. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and my whole thing with it is, you know, and listen, it's like one thing. Yeah. You're long arm in a fish. Maybe you're holding the, holding the deer's head forward. So the antlers look a little bit bigger, whatever it is like, yeah, it, there's some stuff. It is what it is, but I'm also never one to pretend like something isn't what it is. So a, a, anyone that follows me can tell you, like, if I go, if I go shoot something over a corn feeder, I'm going to tell that story and I'll be like, this is what I was doing. This is why I was doing it. Mm -hmm. I tell that whole story, the reasoning behind it. It's, it's the, it's the transparency. Yeah. And that's, that's all I care about. Like I'm like, as long as it's legal, ethical and has like, and doesn't harm this public, our, the public's perception of hunting and to the point of where it causes trouble and people start banning things, mm -hmm. <laughs> California, um, <laughs> Sorry, I got something caught in my throat there. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like, as long as it, I'm like, do you do you just be authentic? Like, mm -hmm. why don't try and pretend like you spent, I spent six days in the, in the mountains hunting this deer. No, you didn't. You drank coffee in the lodge this morning. You took an ATV to a heated, <laughs> heated box blind that's nicer than my apartment. Like, what the hell? <laughs> they hoisted the deer up with the electric, uh, you know, crane and they dressed it for you. You didn't even touch the deer when you took the picture. <laughs> they, like laid it in your lap. <laughs> I've got blood on my hands. No, no, that's ketchup. <laughs> So do I have to actually like get blood on my hands when we're taking the pictures? No, no, no. We have ketchup for that. Uh, yeah. Makes you look rugged. Yeah. 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 But oh, I mean, and, you know, and, and for people who like that type of thing, I'm like, cool. But it, like, for me, it's like the transparency. You tell the story. I'm like, cool. Hey, that, that's awesome. You were able to afford a hunt like that. Like, it's like, I could never afford anything like that. So good on you. Good on you. <laughs> but again, that's, that's part of the hunting community. You find out who's full of shit. And you also find out, you know, who the real OGs are, you know? So mm -hmm. I love it for that aspect too. Cause I mean, everybody who hunts has stories and I love stories. And, uh, in fact, can I share one right now? Absolutely. Okay, man. So I'm in Alaska by the Naknik river. I'm 17 years old and I went fishing up there on, uh, uh one of those commercial fishing boats Anyways, there was this old guy who used to do uh, set netting. And he, so he's got a little skiff. Anyways, he was like, hey, he went to like my boss, who I called the captain. And he's like, hey, can I borrow your boy for a minute? And they called me the boy. And I was like, wow, okay. They're literally treating me like a wrench. Hey, Billy, can I borrow that 916 wrench? Yeah, of course, Joe, take it. He literally loaned me like a wrench. <laughs> it's like, let me take the boy. I got to go over to like kodiak island or, or something he's like the tide is going to be coming in and i gotta go before it's down so we're cruising out to this island probably you know it's not the kodiak it, it was some island that was kind of named after that but it's in it's in bristol bay 
It's my point here. So we cruise out to this destination and he's like, we got to start filling up sandbags. So we're filling up sandbags, right? And before you know it, you know, the old man's just telling story after story. And uh, all of a sudden I look up past this old man. I see a big old Kodiak bear. And I'm like, dude, there is a bear. And he's like, what? <laughs> bear! And he gets up. I've never seen an old man, you know, stand up faster than, you know, he was like Peter, you know, in the Bible running on water. Because he <laughs> was running on water, jumped in the skiff. And the bear starts running. When it starts seeing us move, the bear starts chasing us, right? Oh, so yeah. I'm in the skiff, like getting the skiff and I'm pushing out and the bear's coming out in the water towards me. So I finally like lunge out and this old man's going through all of his shit, going through all of his shit. And the bear finally like starts to take off. And then all of a sudden this man pulls out an Uzi, right? He pulls out an Uzi. Like a legit Uzi. Legit Uzi. And he just <laughs> pointed towards the beach, fully automatic. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. Cause I'm like, I'm not, the only thing I saw an Uzi was from was like Rambo, you know, and this was an OG hunter. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? And I was like, aren't there like permits and like hunting? Like what is going on? And he's just like, there are no permits up here, son. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and you know, the bear, you know, I'm pretty sure it was gone. But if it was behind the bush, you know, that's a pissed off bear now, you know, getting hit with nine millimeter Uzi. And, uh, and, it, and then he just starts telling these hunting stories. So like, um, so when I hear about like hunting community stories like that, that's kind of what draws everybody together. Cause I think everybody who's been hunting for a while has a crazy story about a dude with an Uzi or something shooting because the old school hunters that didn't have the permitting and all that, it is a whole different breed of hunters, <laughs> but they're, they're still a part of this hunting community, which I love. It's just like those stories are the episodes I've done where it's just like us hanging out and and telling stories, whether it's old stories like that one or whether it's like we just finished something up and I'm recording an episode like while we're sitting around the campfire and telling stories of what happened over the past three days or whatever. Those are my absolute favorite episodes because I didn't grow up with that. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to grow up and hear those stories from the guys like at hunting camp or anything like that. You know, I didn't get, I didn't have the old man like sitting back and telling me, telling me all those stories. And so now like, I just, I just eat those up, man, dude. I like crave those like crazy oh, stories. What's also cool is you're making your own stories as you go. Like you're, and I think a part of what you're doing with your podcast is you're being able to get so many people on your platform to share those hunting stories. So even though you didn't get it, you're, you're by, by far 100 fold catching up on your hunting stories. Well, and it's funny, you know and I mean? And I think about it and I'm like, yeah, I do have my own like kind of crazy, stupid stuff I've done, wild stories, you know, nothing, not quite uh, an Uzi with a Uzi with the brown bear, but you know, I mean, even my first hunt, like I've told that story a hundred times and it's, it's like, I was the dumbass that decided to like, I've never, I've never gone hunting before. I'm going to pick up bow hunting. I'm going to go on a solo DIY elk hunt, you know, out in Idaho, <laughs> just <laughs> public land, just, I'm like, yeah, I've watched it. I mean, and I knew what my chances of success were. I was fully well aware, 
But like I ended up going out there and a freak snowstorm blew in and I tore both of my knees uh, while I was out there and had way too much weight in my pack. Had to had to like satellite (laughs) call a buddy to dude. I was I went in with an 80 pound pack. Jeez. And you haven't even gotten your elk. Exactly. And it was part of that was the snowstorms completely screwed me over and I had to like repack everything and didn't have time to plan for it. Cause I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to prepare for. And, uh, and I was also, you know, I was like, also I need all of these things. And I did not, I do my pack. It's, it's crazy thinking about how much it's changed since then, but yeah, dude, I ended up having to like satellite call my buddy. uh, And he brought in his horses and like packed me out with my, now that that is a buddy dude that is a real og buddy to do that man and wow did you is he your buddy because you knew the resources he had (laughs) he is he is my buddy because of social media he uh, he found out that i was i I can't remember we we've talked about it on the podcast i've had him on had him on the podcast right after the hunt we recapped the hunt and then i had him on just uh a couple months ago when i released episode 200 Cause what I did is I took my recording equipment with me when I went out, I started this podcast months before I ever went on my first hunt. Dang um, the balls on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the amount of shit I got for having a hunting podcast and never having hunted, let alone killed an animal. Like that's great. That's oh, great. It, was, it was awesome. Uh, I loved it. But so he, I was doing like an Instagram live. I was, I was hiking down from Griffith observatory in Los Angeles. I was hiking back home. It was just, I was like my morning hikes. I'd do these up and then I'd do an Instagram live on the way down and talk to people. And uh, he reached out and he's like, Hey, so I, uh, I saw you mentioned you're hunting in this unit or in this area in Idaho. Uh, I used to be like a ranger back there and do all this stuff. He's like, if you ever need any tips or any help. And so I just kind of started talking to him and he pointed me to some areas and, and, I made sure to put his contact info in my phone. He's like, Hey, if you need help packing something out, I'm just over the border. Uh, He's in Montana. Now he's like, I'm just over the border a few hours away in Montana. I'll come out and uh, you know, bring in the horses, help you pack out. I'm like, dude, you're awesome. Wow. That's the type of call. When you call him up, he's like, damn, why did answer my phone? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been, I mean, that was in constant contact with them, with them and some other people. And I was like, I'm something's wrong with my knees. Like I can't even walk a mile with no weight. Like I was, I was fucked. (laughs) I was royally. And uh, he, and, and I, I had to swallow so much stinking pride to to get to tell him to be like dude i need you to come help me out because he was he had opened that door for me and he had hinted at it but he was letting me make the decision he wasn't just being like all right bro i'm coming in to come get you he was like all right Sam, you know he was basically saying without saying it saying like sam if you you need to ask me if you want me to come in yeah and uh and I, I did. And there's a great video of him rescuing my ass uh, up on YouTube. The Adventure Cowboy, Clayton Markser. Amazing dude. Um, super oh, Adventure amazing Cowboy. Dude. Yeah, great guy. Oh, you great. know Clayton? Yeah, yeah. I met him at the car booth um, last last time they had SHOT Show. Okay. That is great. Uh, big old boy. That's a big old boy. So you got the right guy to help carry you out. <laughs> He's good people. That's funny. You know, again, small world on social yeah, media yeah, he, and all of this. He is. He has great people. 
1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. But yeah, man. So, you know, you're talking to, you're talking about all these people in the hunting industry that have this history and stories. Who do you look up to when it doesn't even have to be somebody, this storied person or anything, but like, who do you look up to in the hunting industry? Who do you think does it right? Man, there's a few of them, but Bert, Bert Sorensen, man, that guy's a, he's a beast. I was actually just hanging out talking with Bert, uh, at, uh, the big sky total archery challenge. Yeah, dude. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he's just good heart, good people, and he's just a beast. He is, Bert is great people. And another person that's just like super encouraging to anyone that wants to learn and get better and uh, quality, quality people. Is there anyone anyone else that you just really think does it right in the hunting industry who you, you think you look up to? And I really look up to Evan Hafer, um, owner of... Uh... Uh, Black Rifle Coffee. Um, him and I go way back. I worked with him way back when I was uh, <clears throat> first with Manspot. When back when Instagram only had like I think it was 15 second videos. Mm-hmm. That's that's when I started working with Black Rifle. It was way back then. And me and Evan, when we first met, Black Rifle Coffee was sharing an office space with a lawnmower repair shop. <laughs> like crazy. That just down, just down there in Salt Lake City. So me and Evan uh, created just a, a, a real close, just, uh, you know, bonds back then. And I've always respected him, you know, ever since. And he's a big archery hunter and he just gets out there and does it. But uh, this year, I'm not sure if you've seen the grizzly he got, but wow, I was, it's just one of those things when you see somebody like Evan get a, a big grizzly like that, you know, you're just like, good, good, good on you, man. Like that, you're a good person and seeing you harvest something so beautiful and massive it's just like they they deserve that and they earned that and so evan is just another one of those people that i i can't say enough nice things about um i'd also say another one is josh bomar oh and, yeah josh uh, bomar that guy uh, i just love how uh, just open he is with the way he uh preps for a hunt he shows him shooting practicing and then he uh when when he does make a post about a hunt i think he gives the proper just respect to every animal that he brings down he's all about education he's all about uh you know not making things worse but uh making the environment better afterwards so i think josh just he does it right with how he does it and he also says his, he shares his experiences and his challenges when he's also on social media as well. Like he broke a bow and he's like, oh, this bow has this story. So you learn the story about the bow and then he fixes it, takes it on a hunt, brings down an animal. So for him, like what I've learned about him is he is just infused within the hunting community and it's, it's his way of life. And I mean, you want to talk about enormous dudes. <laughs> like <laughs> He's like Captain America, like oh, hunter. He's ripped. Just, and, he, and he explains his like fitness stuff too. I'm just like, if anybody's got it made, he's got it made. When him and his wife were pregnant, I was like, aha, your life is going to change. And <laughs> he, he, didn't skip, he didn't skip a beat. I was just like, how? How? <laughs> 
he's he's athlete. the million dollar man he's he's ha- he's got to be like half bionic or something is, yeah, is i am it. convinced he is <laughs> glad i'm not the only one who uh, thinks that but yeah much respect to him so y- you are a, a big gun guy but have you gotten into the bow hunting at all have you have you tried picking up uh picking up a compound bow yet or any of that um you know what i have um just like 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 evan with his hoyt bow um but i haven't bought my own bow so i uh i think i'm kind of i'm kind of waiting to i mean i need to do it i mean i i got some of the targets for it cuz i did get a crossbow you know seven point crossbow which that thing had so much force behind it i i didn't realize how strong those were until i shot it through this velociraptor target and then it went through two <laughs> two by fours behind it i was like oh my gosh i was like this is literally like a bullet i had no idea the force uh, that compound technology could even uh, make until i had uh, done that personally myself oh it's it's wild especially with crossbows there i mean there's a reason that uh most i mean a I would say most places, I think they combine their cro- like crossbows with rifle season. Like you are not allowed to use those during <laughs> archery season. <laughs> now I know why, man. That was a ruined arrow real quick. And that was from like like 100 yards away. I was like, dude, yeah, I'm good. No, no. <laughs> I had no idea. I'll tell you what, like getting into the world of bow hunting, the first time you like get in range on an animal any animal with your bow and you take that shot it, there's something like i'm a gun guy and like it was guns and people have heard this story before. it was guns that got me into hunting i i used to teach marksmanship uh, it was like a it was like a heritage and marksmanship program it'd be like a weekend clinic people would come out and they'd we'd teach them how to shoot with a sling and like super basics and we we teach them uh, American Revolutionary War history at the same time. Um, and uh, I got good enough at shooting to where I was like, okay, well, punching paper is kind of losing interest. I need to do something else. I'm like, well, I might as well get into hunting. And then, dude, I found bow hunting. I didn't touch a rifle for three years. It was, dude, it's... You uh, saved a lot of money on ammo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I spent it all on gear. <laughs> <laughs> there's the trade-off. Oh, it was bad. But I, I tell you what, man, there's something. And like, I will hunt with a rifle all dang rifle season. No problem. But like, there's something about just getting in close with a bow and doing it that way. There's just like something so visceral and like primal yeah, about it. That's, yeah, I get it. It's just crazy, man. Like having to be in like sub... You know, sub sixty yards. Like I prefer being sub forty yards if I can. But like yeah. having to get in that close on an animal, and it's like you're defeating all its senses in its own environment. Like when you can see the white in its eyes. Oh yes. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I've got stuff up on my wall here that I shot at six hundred yards away too. So yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I will. I will take any opportunity to hunt that somebody gives me that I have the ability to take. Like, you know, like I said, you want to put me in, you want to put me in a, in a heated blind that you're going to drive me to on an ATV. Hell yeah. I'll do that again. I'm going to say that's what it is. Don't you know, give me that transparency, (laughs) baby. Give it to me. Oh man. So, but speaking of guns and uh, you know, I can't, I can't let you get away without, 
talking uh, a little bit about the Second Amendment and kind of current events and what we're seeing going on in the country. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of government control being exercised and a lot of, uh, you know, without getting too political about it, <laughs> we're seeing we're seeing a lot of government control being exercised, a lot of things being mandated. What what do you see happening over the next few years? Oh, honestly, man, I mean, it all starts from somewhere. I mean, it's it's, it's all out control. Is this what it is? And it's sad to see because, I mean, honestly, what we're seeing, what we're seeing here, we're seeing what happened. I mean, I know when people say this and people are like, oh, okay, but it's literally our own little Nazi Germany of uh, you can't go here without these papers, without this proof. And it's defeating the whole point of America. And we're just being divided more than ever. I mean, the news is not being used to educate. It's being used to manipulate and... Uh, it's, it's sad. It's sad to me. And people can argue with that all day long. And it's like, no, it's that's to me, that's exactly what is happening. And if we don't stand up for our our rights or vocalize it, they will be taken away. It's as simple as that. And, uh, and I know a lot of people don't want that to be true, but we can see that our politicians have sold us down, you know, the river They've sold our rights down and they've literally just been taken step by step you know, law by law. I mean, there's so many laws. There's, you can't do anything. I mean, we're the most taxed nation in the world right now from everything. And you're telling me this revolutionary war started because we weren't even being charged 2%. And even then our uh, American ancestors were saying we are being taxed to death. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's it's crazy to think about how far we've come and how far we've allowed it to 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 happen. So so now, um, to me, you have to stand up for your rights and you have to choose a side. You can't you can't be lukewarm. You either have to be hot or cold. That's the thing that kills me is because I've always been pretty middle of the road. I've I've kept a lot of friends around that have very like drastically opposing views to me and you used to i feel like you used to be able to do that like mm -hmm. the drastically opposing views it didn't put you on a side necessarily it was something you could talk about it was something you could reason out but now it's with everything that's going on and being forced you do mm -hmm. you have to yeah. pick a side yeah yeah and, and being and that's the whole thing about me is it's just choice you want to wear a mask? You want to get the vaccine? Cool. That's great on you. Just don't force anyone to do something they don't want to do. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, talking about whatever the vaccine and COVID specifically, it's not that we're sitting here saying we don't want any vaccine. We don't want it to exist. It needs to be destroyed and no one should be allowed to. No, we're saying we want people to make the choice. If you want to get the vaccine, go ahead and get the vaccine. It's your personal choice. It's when mandates start coming down. It's when uh, it's when consent is removed from anything that it becomes, you know, we're mm -hmm. talking about taxation. What's what's the difference between taxation and theft? It's consent. So if I'm not consenting to a tax, it's motherfucking theft. There's no question yep. about it. Yep, you know, absolutely. What makes what makes sex rape <laughs> like the yep. lack of oh, yeah. consent yep. 
Exactly. And uh, for a lot of people, it's it takes somebody that they trust. And when they speak out on something, then they listen. And then it almost like something clicks inside their head. Because I've gotten so many people, you know, that didn't even really care about the Second Amendment, uh, just because they weren't taught about the Second Amendment. And then when they heard me speak out on it, they're like, Oh, my gosh, I went out and bought my first gun, because of what you said. And to me, that that means a lot with, uh, you know, I'll use the word influence, but you can either be influenced for good, or you can be influenced for bad. And I believe with my platform, I'm always trying to do it for good. And when I hear stories like that, where it, uh, a light bulb clicked in somebody's head and then they're like, I've been paying attention to politics now. I've been paying attention to my rights. I actually read through the Bill of Rights for the first time. Those are the types of stories I love because people haven't been brought up to be a patriot. They've just been brought up in the school systems of indoctrination, not education. So when they do get a positive influence from somebody, that's all it takes. And then it's almost like they've taken the red pill or the, the blue pill, which one are you, or the green pill, whatever it is, which one are you going to take? And once they allow themselves to be open up their mind to something different, everything can change. And I think that's the way the American people need to be is like, here are your rights. This is what's been taken away. And this is why it matters. Question is, do you think enough people are going to wake up in time? Well, it, it, uh, it's, it's also a means of how many people are going to wake up, but it, we're, we're also going to have a pivotal moment when it comes to like just what happened in Afghanistan. We went over there. We tried to make the best changes we could. We trained their personnel. We gave them all the tools necessary to defend themselves, get their freedom, have, you know, their patrolling, keep the Taliban back. The minute we pulled out and we gave it to them, what did they do? They surrendered. No fight. and. To me, that's what their freedom mattered to them. Were they willing to fight and die on the streets for it? And uh, the answer obviously is in front of us. They put down their weapons and the Taliban just rolled right in. And you have to be able to be willing to fight and die for your freedom. And I think that's what so many people have a problem with now is, could you picture yourself dying for your freedom? Obviously, my answer is yes. I would die tomorrow if it means I could defend my kids' you know, freedom and my freedom. And I think people have to mentally have that in their mind of at what point would I lay down my life? And I think it's – a line really needs to be drawn uh, in that it's, it's happening so slowly. It's the whole boiling the frog idea right now. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Where it's like a lot of people will say that. And they and they believe it. And it's on it's an honest statement, like I would die for my freedoms. But then they just don't notice when they're slowly being eroded away. They don't they don't realize because it's happening so slowly, they don't realize it's like now is the in time to take a stand, bro. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. And I and I think obviously since this is a hunting channel, we got a lot of hunters, we have to understand that the Second Amendment wasn't made for hunting. Yep. Not at all. Zero. It was made because of tyrannical governments taking over. That's why we have guns. And when we see this tyranny, it's going to come to a point where it's just like, okay, um, we have these guns for a reason. Our, our forefathers realized that this was so important. We will need these guns at some point if we are being taken advantage of and a tyrannical government is forcing us to do things we don't want to. Mm-hmm. So, George me, Washington. Not, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you've probably seen the meme. 
George Washington, uh, me and my boys would have been stacking bodies by now. <laughs> and, and, and along those lines, I'm not, I'm not telling people, uh, obviously I don't want to tell people how to use their agency, but what I do want to tell people is educate yourself and choose what best suits your freedom needs. That needs to be educate yourself and choose what suits best your freedom needs. That sounds like the uh, <laughs> sounds like the perfect uh, tagline for a commercial. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the man spot. Choose what best suits your freedom needs. You know, I've been on a few watch lists, you know, so I got to watch out what I say. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, man. On that note, um, where can people find the man spot? Where can people follow along? Uh, yeah, so I'm on. Uh, Facebook, The Man Spot, uh, Instagram, The Man Spot, backup page, Man Spot, and YouTube, The Man Spot underscore. I, I need to bring that back to life, but you'll be able to follow along as I homestead my property and uh, just continue uh, trying to make funny content related around our Second Amendment and uh, you know family um, shenanigans. There we go, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm glad we got to make this happen. Uh, had a great chat, man. Good. Yeah. Thank you for having me on and continue doing what you're doing. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Another big thank you to Vaughn for taking the time out of his day to hop on the line and uh, have a chat with me. Y'all make sure to go check out The Man Spot. I've got links to his socials and the website in the show notes page. That's thewildinitiative.com slash 210. So make sure y'all check that out. Also, again, y'all, I uh, would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you just took a quick moment, head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, leave a rating and review for the podcast. It just hugely helps with growth and uh, the discoverability of the podcast. It would mean a lot. I really appreciate all y'all that have been consistently uh, locking in, subscribing uh, to listen, but if y'all would take that quick moment to leave that rating and review, it would mean a ton. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. 